0: Hello and welcome to the Dork Forest. I'm Jackie Cation. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. If you like a determiner, FamilyPetAncestry.com, which I just Renewed because it's funny. Let's do the credits. You just heard the song that Mike Rickberg composed and sang with his wife Sarah Cohen. He will sing his words to the Mexican Hat Dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio, and Vilmos does jackiecaution dot com, the website. Dorkforest com has available essentially player notes. And the YouTube version of the show. You can listen to the show on iTunes and Stitcher and all the things, but you can also listen to it on YouTube or on DorkForest.com. JackieCation.com has all my stand up comedy information and the merch for Dork Forest. You can get t shirts, you can get CDs, you uh, can get pins that say Spooky Reading Girl or Meat Shield, but they are not available on the website. You have to email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com. There's also the calendar of my stand up comedy to find out where. I'm playing near you. If I'm not playing near you, talk to your local comedy club and request me. What the heck? There are also videos of my stand-up. You can watch my Conan. You can watch clips from my DVD and links to my other podcasts, The Jackie and Lori Show on Nerdist, which is just about stand-up comedy. Anyway, there is also a donation button on both JackieKishon.com and DorkForest.com. It's a PayPal button. Uh, all it is is a way to donate to support the show. You can do that by using the Amazon banner, which is just a link to get you to Amazon, which uh, supports the show. You just order like normal. It doesn't cost you extra. And you can use the donation button just to donate. If you don't like PayPal, you can Venmo me, Jackie at JackieCation.com. There is also uh, premium episodes at thedorkforest.bandcamp.com and those cost $2 a piece because they're live episodes and they cost me some money to put up. So if if you've run through all the episodes, you can go to Bandcamp and get like 10 more. What the heck? So much info. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Thanks for supporting the show. Let's get into it. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm back in my living room, you guys. Uh, good times here on the Dork Forest. Uh, I know this woman from Livewire. We work together. Courtney. Uh-oh. Hammeister. Nope.
1: Like laughing.
0: Like la- hameister. Hammeister.
1: Ha ha. Ha <laughs> ha. Haumeister.
0: I get it. Yeah. So Courtney Holleister, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. All
0: right. I don't know. Um, I want you to talk again. All right. Um, ah. I'm still excited. I'm Are you still excited about being on the show? Are you still excited? Yeah. I'm. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. Now everyone knows. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as I work with my new Zoom to make uh, to make sure everyone knows. Yeah. That everyone knows how I feel, because that's what's important. (laughs) Uh, It is what's important, because you've written a book called Okay, Fine, Whatever. I have. Yes. And that's how I feel about everything. That's um. my mantra. <laughs> well, it does sound mature. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're really facing some shit. Uh, okay, fine,
1: whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, uh, so the the book is called, okay, fine, whatever. The year I went from being afraid of everything to only being afraid of most things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think, um, and, and it is my mantra because the, here's the thing, like uh, when you're anxious, I, I have anxiety and sure. that's kind of what the book's about. And when you're anxious, someone asks you to do something and you don't want to fucking do it. Can I say the swears? Say the swears. I don't want to do it because your anxious brain has like made these ruts in your neural pathways that say, this is going to suck no matter what it is. Okay. And so the reason that I that it's called okay, fine, whatever is because that's what anxious people say when being dragged to something that they don't want to go to like, you know, their own wedding or something. (laughs) Um, And you're just like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll do it. Just leave me alone. I'm going to do it. Right. And the thing is, like, you're still doing it. Like, I think that's what I wanted to turn in. I thought I was like, Oh, I'm going to turn into a, a, uh, an optimist. And Absolutely, 100% will never happen.
0: No, no. It's hard to turn from someone who's pessimistic to someone who's positive. Yeah. Uh, And someone who is – I mean, the biggest problem is I think people do live in a future that is yet to come. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's not here yet. Why don't you – look around. <laughs> no, that's, that's the, that's the struggle
1: of being an anxious person, right? Like we are anxious because we're either living in the past, like thinking about all the horrible mistakes we made and, and hating ourselves for them, mm-hmm. or we're living in the future thinking about all the terrible mistakes we're going to make and, right. and how bad things are going to be. So it's like, that's why, you know, not to be prescriptive, but that's why mindfulness is so magical for, for anxious people. Oh, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Because you're learning to not live either in the past or the future. You're just Look at what's what's in front of me right now, Jackie Cation. I enjoy her very much as a
0: comic. And I can deal with that, right? Yeah. and 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 it's for the next hour. It's just going to be that me and you staring deeply at each other over this weird table that goes up and down. And I just realized that it went up and down. Uh, I didn't just realize it went up and down. I just I remember I did an episode yesterday, mm-hmm. and the mic was too high. And these these tabletop mic stands don't go up and down. Mm-hmm. The table goes up and down. <laughs> And so I could beat myself up about that, and as right. we can hear from my tone of voice, just a little. But <laughs> what I was going to say about the about be, about living in the past—it's so weird when you meet like a seven-year-old who's pessimistic or who's anxious, mm-hmm. because you're like, you haven't done anything. Yeah, there's nothing to regret. It's all, and if and if there's anything to regret, it should not be your regret because you were a tiny child. Exactly. Right. If anybody was doing anything weird mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, not taking care of you, that isn't you. Even though when you're little, you always think everything's your fault. That's the thing. It's so weird. It is weird that we, that we think that.
1: Yeah. I don't know where that comes from. I mean, certainly in a lot of people, it comes from their parents telling them that everything's their <laughs> fault, you know? Right. Um, right. But, yeah. but Yeah. I did have a pair of bell-bottoms that I wore when I was six that I, that I had to have regretted when I was seven.
0: Oh, you really? They you look weren't. back on that? I don't think like, it was fashion-wise, a- that isn't the... the t- Here's what I regretted when I was about eight years old. I got the most amazing bib jeans of my life. <gasps> they were bib jeans, mm-hmm. and they were psychedelic, and they were corduroy.
1: Oh, my God. That, com- added, that, that combination is blissful.
0: Yeah. And then you know what happened? I grew an inch and a half. Oh. And it was, I regretted growing. I re- and you're like, what? what's happening? Like, if you look back and you're like, hi, uh, you're going to want to be taller one day. Uh, you can't. <laughs> oh, my God. I tried to wear those bib jeans, even though I was, they were clearly, like, they were high waders and they were cutting into my shoulders. High waiter bell bottoms is a horrible look. Oh, that is not a good look. Uh-uh. That feels very Cracker Jack guy. <laughs> it does.
1: <laughs> It does, yeah. So it's. I think it's possible to have regrets at that age, but it is shocking. I think. Um, But but I think. But that's what that's what um, that's what a pathology is, though, right? It's just like you know. um, I think that like when I was diagnosed with I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder like in my mid forties or early forties, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I suddenly was like, they didn't even know what it was,
0: did they, before then? (laughs) Barely? Yeah, We're just like, you're psychotic. I mean, like you're neurotic. You're neurotic. And then neuroses turns to psychoses. And I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. But now they have like a nice, there's a spectrum, to Mm -hmm. use the word, of exactly how anxious you are or how nervous you are. Yeah. And how much and different ways to treat it. Yes. Tons it's of of not just Librium. Mm-hmm. We don't have, we don't have to have you drooling in a chair for twelve hours a day for you not to f- freak out. You exactly. can still be a member of society. Exactly. I think I'm a pretty decent. I have some
1: things to offer. I've realized. There you go. Yeah, I do. I'm, yeah, you do. <laughs> but I think, but but in ter- like in terms of the seven year old, like. Suddenly, I was like, "Oh, because my whole life had just been—I'd been neurotic, right? I was a neurotic person, and I was pessimistic." And I thought, "Oh, that's just my nature, right? Right?" But it was my pathology. When when this person said, "Oh, you—I think you have generalized anxiety disorder," I was like, "Oh, that's not my nature. That's my pathology. Is it possible to change that pathology?" Which I Define think. pathology. Is it a, an illness? Oh, yeah. It's but like that's that a, needs it's to a, be treated. Yeah. It's a mental illness as opposed to, that's not my, that's not who I am as a person. Right. It's an illness that I have. Ah. And therefore, oh, maybe, you know, maybe can I'm be not treated. a pessimist. Yeah. If I can treat this, can I actually shift my perception of the world, you know, mm-hmm. and and actually look forward to things? Is that possible? Also, <laughs> maybe I've lost my capacity to feel joy. Is that a problem? I don't know. It feels like one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think in the long run that might be a dead, where you're just looking at your watch, going tick tock, <laughs> and uh, you're like, no, no, no.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I mean, this I you know, this book was the hardest thing I ever did. Writing it was just it was very, very difficult, and I'm very proud of it. But it's so funny because um, uh, my mother is over the freaking moon and it's she's just it's oh. so funny because like before i i so i used to host live wire that's yeah. how i that's how i met that's you for the met. first time yeah and um and uh and my mother was extremely proud of the fact that i used to host that show and and um and b- but so i stepped down from that show and i guess yeah uh i said to her well uh, and I had to step down because I was massively anxious. Right. I had a massive panic attack. And, and, um and, but one of the things that I said to her as I was trying to make this decision about whether I should stick around was I said, you know, I... I don't want to interview people anymore. I want to create art that makes yeah. people want to interview me about it. Well, that's and me. so once I started getting interviews for the book, she's just hilarious. She she just keeps text she te- keeps texting me in all caps. All your dreams are coming true. <laughs> and it's such so a nice woman. Oh my god, she is she is so excited <laughs> for me. But part but of course, you know, the the side of me that's a pessimist is just like, why is my mother more excited about this book than I <laughs> I am like, I, I, I have
0: trouble. Like, and it's like, she's reminding me like, be happy about this. This is great. Right. Well, I'm sure she spent most of your life reminding you to be happy. Oh my god. And so it must be her default thing. Oh, oh, I'm sure. Well, I mean, it's so, it's got to be so frustrating. It
1: is so, I know it's frustrating for people who don't have anxiety or any kind of, you know, mental thing that they're struggling with. It's so frustrating to, to have people in your life that you can't, change the way that they think. You right, know, you can't right. convince them that everything's fine because yeah. it is, you know, well everything's not fine. Like we're totally screwed right now as a country. <laughs> but <laughs> but everything in your life is pretty okay, right? Right. You know? I mean the
0: well one of the right key now. things that happened when the world went to shit <laughs> in November of twenty sixteen was I turned to many of my people of color, friends, friends who happen to be people of color. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how do you do it? How do you do it when you think uh, the world's about to end? And you know what's so irritating to that is that this is when I want to talk to them about their lives and their racism is when I'm about to go through something. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I genuinely am sorry that that was what was the trigger for me. But... They are my friends, yeah, so they were very sweet about it, and they were like, "Well, you just keep going, of course, and yeah. um and you and you try to get in the way of bad behavior that's in front of you, yeah. and you make sure that you make yourself happy, realize the of the good things in your life, and try to be happy in your life because the bastards don't want you to be happy, they want you to be scared all the time, and yeah. fuck them, yes, and you're like. Oh, so just be happy. And, and I literally, one of my friends hilariously, because I was like, wait, so just keep going, get in the way of bad behavior and be happy. And I said, like the second or third time I said it, she goes, Jesus Christ, is this the first time you've been disappointed? And I was like, oh my God, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, Reagan. And, uh, so it was like that. Oh God. No, I, I think, and, I, the worst
1: part about it, the the part that I feel the most guilty about, is that people of color warned us again and again. And we're saying, like, you know, if you read uh, Ijoma Uluo, who's, you know, she wrote So You Want to Talk About Race. Okay. She's an amazing writer. And she can, you know, she's, what's amazing about her is she can be really funny and just, and talk about this yeah. very difficult stuff all at the same time. Also, she does an, an extraordinary smoky eye. Like what? She, her makeup, oh, her makeup is her amazing. Makeup
0: <laughs> is, it, it is unbelievable. Okay.
1: All, all right. Yeah. All yeah. These things, these are all the reasons I recommend her. <laughs> um, but anyway, she, you know, all, all these people, you know, after Trump won, you know, all these people were, we talking about it and, and, and saying, you know, Oh, I can't believe this is happening. And a Joma was just like, fuck <laughs> all you people, people of color have been writing about this. Forever, we've been saying that this was
0: going to happen. We've been seeing it's been happening on a different, like, it's a parallel plane. It's like a parallel universe. If you are. Not a white person or not a white guy. Yeah. Like the and and I'm I'm doing a bit about the learning curve right now is very very steep for Whitey Magoo's and men folk. Whitey and Magoo's. We are Whitey Magoo's, and uh, I know, and, and I am willing to learn, and it is embarrassing to learn, and yet I am willing to learn, and I'm willing to change, which is also the biggest part of it too. Which I think, if you're living. In sort of an imaginary world, you know, um, where everything is horrible, the willingness to change has got to be part of it, too? Or is it just meds? What are we looking at? <laughs> <laughs> is um, it just Seroquel? What's happening? <laughs> my ad, my ad, my ad. I'm about to do an ad. Hey, guys. This is an ad for another comics podcast. It looks hilarious, quite honestly. Lisa Orkin has a new podcast, New York Comic Project Woo Woo, and it's crazy. Like, Andy Kaufman meets Oprah. It's it's an examination of all the people she's ever wanted to meet. But she can't meet Jesus, so she gets Chris Bono to play Jesus. So Lisa has her comedian friends play her favorite people in a self-help spirituality and then plus like famous writers and philosophers. So if you listen to her chat with Marianne Williamson, who I don't know who that is because I now I want to listen to it, Carl Sagan, and Streisand, Barbara Streisand, Timothy Leary is coming up. It's obviously weird and entertaining and you learn stuff. So plus Lisa Orkin is actually a very real, wacky, and vulnerable stand-up comic. So go to projectwoowoo.com and listen and subscribe. It sounds great. Grab the link in my show notes. Project Woo Woo WOOWOO dot com. Go listen and subscribe. Let's get back into
1: the show. So you're just talking about like if you're if you're trying to get out of thinking about the, the yeah. bad things that are gonna Well, and especially now, right? Like when this, this is, this is what's crazy about this time is that for, for those of us who have been living with anxiety, you know, it's finally like, finally vindicated. Well, finally, my pathology is just good common sense,
0: <laughs> right? It's right. Just, you are Vindaloo. Thanks. You have, you are completely, yes. Yes. And you're like, we're right. I told you I was not paranoid. Yeah. There's trouble and <laughs> right here in river America. <laughs> river city. Exactly. Uh-huh. No, I mean,
1: that, I, I had this argument, like my brother and I are quite close. He's a couple years older than me. We live in the same town. We both live in Portland. We got, we, we went out for drinks election night, like after he had, after Trump had won, we got into a, fi- a fight that was so bad that I cried and got up and left. Yeah. Yeah. And my brother and I have the exact same politics, right? We, we are both flaming massive liberals Right, right. But he sat there across the table from me and said, We're fine. We're going to be fine. And I was like, you're, you're gonna going be, to be fine <laughs> you're yeah. gonna be great yeah. i am one tier down from you on the list of people that trump and his people are gonna attack and then all of our friends of color all of our lgbt friends yeah. are fucked yeah they're all fucked and and we don't even know how fucked they are and at the time i was so you know at the time i i, I had no idea how bad it was gonna get and what? how quickly it was gonna get bad <laughs>
0: Oh, I so, thought it was going to get uh, bad much quicker and much worse than it has. <laughs> oh, so, oh, what a great! But but look at me, not and I'm more than willing not to be vindicated. I'm like if yeah. we if we can course correct this without a full on um fighting in the streets uh that's a win and if we can get out of this with three branches of the government also a win well but we've already
1: wrecked like to me i've completely lost faith in our system and because i believe that it's failed us you know like i oh the checks and balances the checks and balances don't clearly don't work The and and they can be played Yeah. 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 C- clear. I yeah. mean, I think that the I think the reason that the GOP right now, all of those uh, Congress people right now, I think the reason that they're they that they don't give a shit anymore is because they think that they have gerrymandered things to the point where it just simply doesn't matter. Even if they lose in terms of public sentiment and actual votes, they've they've gerrymandered the system to the point where they're going to win regardless, and that's why they're not listening to people or having town halls anymore, right? So, so I mean, and, and again, that's what's what's so frustrating about having anxiety at this point is that well, there are there are thing there are things that I can look at, like Sarah Kenzior, do you read her stuff no <clears throat> um, <laughs> we're we there's going to be a lot of that no who's that
0: <laughs> who's that anyway, person? <laughs>
1: well she is she wrote a book called uh the flyover States and she okay. essentially sort of predicted Heard of that state. yeah um uh she kind of predicted Trump in this book that she wrote in like 2013 or something. And she's just, she has been screaming for a while just about, <laughs> she's essentially saying, you know, people are like, oh, well, when is fascism going to happen? Or, uh, you know, and she and she's, she's a, she's an expert on Russia and um, autocracies. Oh wow! <laughs> and and uh, she was like, oh, I didn't want this to come in so handy, but look at this. This is great. Look, look at, look at, look, <laughs> look around. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, but anyway, she's she, uh, you know, in speaking to her, I, what I tried to say was like, you know, how worried should we be? I want to, you know, because I have this brain that goes to the worst place. Can you tell me exactly how, how bad it is and how worried I should be? And she's essentially like, it's on, it's all on fire. You know, her her big thing, her big thing was not just when they put kids in cages, but when they were proud of putting kids in cages, that was the line for her where she said, we have crossed a line that we will never be able to come back from. These people do not give a shit. No, most, she said, most, most countries who do things like this, hide it and they're proud of it. And that's, what's so terrifying about Mm -hmm. it. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so things are going to be great is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. They're, they're, What I've, what I've, the conclusion I've come to is that there will have to be a lot of, I mean, and I, and I mentioned it three years ago that, you know, you could support these people and then I will see you in fucking Nuremberg is what's going to happen. Yeah. Because the rest of the world will put us down like the rabid animals that we are because you can murder your own People, no one will interfere with that. You can even, to some extent, murder the refugees from other countries that come to your country. I, I think and you they can do will that not. first. Well, oh, they, oh, you and, mean and, other countries? And, and other at countries you. Yes. will not interfere with that. They're like, well, we didn't like them anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you interrupt their cash flow, if you affect their economies, which is what we are doing with Europe and Great Britain and Canada, and Canada and China and Japan and all of these countries they will murder you <laughs> and they will and they will have the justice of the other things that they didn't give a shit about like that is how the united states has gone into other countries yeah that's exactly what empires do we go into other countries under the guise of humanitarian actions so that we can steal all of their shit mm-hmm. so they're just going to come here out of the guise of human and Thank God someone should fix something, you know, and, and yeah. we will, the good news about history though. And I, and I am an optimist. I mean, it, it helps me to, to, cause I get depressed. I get sad. I, I rage, I cry. Certainly whenever I'm on the internet, I yes. am full of uh, opinion <laughs> and it's because and people are like, well, you don't seem that way in real life. And I'm like, well that's because I'm not actually reading the news in real life. We're having a conversation. <laughs> and so but when I'm online, I have just come from horrible tales of what yeah. is happening in the world. So I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be upset. So but my optimism comes in the fact that I love history. And history is cyclical. And there's 8 billion people on this planet. Someone will live. Uh our lives will continue. Um we the American experiment has lasted almost 250 years. It's not a, we did, I'm a big fan of fake it till you make it. Right. Yeah. So I think that something will come of this and something new and better will come of it as well, especially for people that have been marginalized, you know, which is why white guys, straight white guys are so belligerent and terrified. Yeah. Is because they know they can tell, not, not, I mean, the decent men, and there are millions and millions of them, yeah. um, have had the curtains drawn back. And they're like, oh, shit. What have we been doing? And you you live in your own privilege, which is what I do, and mm-hmm. I did. But when revealed, you're like, oh, yeah. perhaps I should get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> and uh, a lot of d- decent white guys are like that. And the the best people are like, well, I, I'm still going to try. But because if you look at it, like guys like Barack Obama, the way he became president was he not only had to be the smartest guy in the room, he also had to be like the best black guy ever. Yep. Like yep. He And couldn't. not make
1: a single misstep ever. Right. Like so, wearing a tan suit.
0: <laughs> you know? Well, you know, luckily he wrote a book and he was like, yeah, I tried Coke. It was great. <laughs> anyway, did you, did you want to talk about it? And compared to the raping of children you know and even so much more than that he is he is a, a monogamous adult man
1: mm-hmm.
0: who is the smartest guy in the room and the only way that was never enough so like with hillary clinton just because she was the smartest man in the room it wasn't enough no nope. because she wasn't a man mm-hmm. and um and it's and it's offensive <laughs> and it's depressing but we all keep going. And I promise you that there are better times ahead of us. And there's more dark times before that. Yeah. But all you can do is try to fix the thing in front of you. Well, That, that mindfulness yeah. is super. Oh, absolutely. And I
1: think that that's... That, that, that could definitely help all of us. Um, I think that one, one of the things. What, describe what it is, cause I know <laughs> that I'm supposed to be doing it. Oh, mindfulness. <laughs> so mindfulness is just this, um, it's, it's essentially just about being in the present moment. And, um, and I know it feels sort of woo woo, but as I said, like, that's, that's why, you know, we I'm live pro in a woo woo. Right. Let's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, but that's what's like what I, I teach. I teach. Um, so I teach a bit of high school. I go into and to high schools and teach uh storytelling and, okay. and humorous memoir to, to high school students. And one of the things, you know, obviously storytelling, getting up in front of a crowd is, is hard for a lot of people. The majority of people, frankly, even people who do it for a living. And, um, and what I talk what I talk to them about in terms of mindfulness is so um, if I imagine myself doing a PowerPoint presentation for two hundred people, I start to feel that in my body. I you know my chest starts to get tight, and I have trouble breathing as deeply. My throat closes up. All these things happen to me physically. <clears throat> And that says that it's probably an, an eight or a nine in terms of how anxious I am about okay. that. And it's because I'm picturing this, per, you know, presenting to these 200 people. If I think about the fact that I need to write a sentence in the PowerPoint on this one PowerPoint slide, yep. how much anxiety does that give me? Because I have to write a sentence. Okay. It's yeah, about yeah. a point two. Yeah. So that's what <laughs> mindfulness is yeah. is what's in front of me that I need to deal with right now. Mm-hmm. Not not the effect it's going to have what's in front of me right now and then that changes like I actually was just in San Francisco. I am not a sporty person, Jackie. Mm-hmm. Don't no? enjoy. What's uh, happening, the, Courtney? I don't enjoy the sports. Okay. Uh or the athletic uh, uh Uh, Events of any kind. You
0: don't want to watch a a sporting event.
1: Well, I don't. I don't like watching sporting events, but mostly, mostly, I don't enjoy engaging in them. You don't wish to be in a. I don't. I don't wish to jog ever. (laughs) again sure. in the for the rest of my life um and so we 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 were we we touristed the living hell out of san francisco, okay, and one of the things that we we did was we went to Tonga, which is a tiki bar in the Fairmont hotel, which is
0: uh, i 've heard of it, but only because Tamara Brown did a tiki bar dork forest. Oh, really? Uh, not long ago. Was that one of her favorites? That was one of her favorites. It's it was
1: it was a great one, but, but also cool. the Fairmont Hotel is beautiful. Just okay. go and like look at the lobby. But uh <laughs> but anyway, in order to get there, like Unbelievable hill that we had to climb, right? uh With our feet, using your our feet. feet to guide us, um, <laughs> and um, and I was so miserable. But and it's I'm miserable because I look at the top and I'm just like, I can't do that. That right. is ridiculous it's and crazy. Much. Yeah, and you're nuts. And I'm not athletic. But if I look down at the ground and I ask myself, can I handle this step? Mm-hmm. This I can handle. Okay, like, and and so that's how mindfulness works, right? And it, that's how it works for people like me who uh, think everything right. sucks balls.
0: Right. And and I think to to different degrees that that can – it can just blow your mind if you think of the big picture too much. If you if you cut it into a series of small steps, it's always going to be – remember that uh, – was it Anne Lamott? Bird mm-hmm. by Bird? Bird by Bird. Yep. Bird by Bird. That's a great book or a great story about how her dad was like – She had to do a report about a bunch of birds. (laughs) She was like, there's too many birds. And he said, just do one bird. Just do bird by bird. And uh, and that's how she broke it down. And and it's super important. I did uh, Carnegie Hall with Brian Regan. And I was scared to death, but only because people kept asking me, is it amazing to do Carnegie Hall? And I was like, you have to stop talking about it. (laughs) Because you're freaking me the fuck out. And so in the end, I literally said to myself, I can either be excited about doing Carnegie Hall or I can do stand up comedy. Why don't I do stand-up comedy since that's the damn job, and not even think about the building that I'm in and the history and the nonsense? And let me tell you something about Carnegie Hall: it's not built for stand-up comedy. Uh, the ceiling's too tall.
1: Anyway, so so our- yeah, so everything's just kind of all the laughs yeah. to the laughs that sort of are yeah. wafted up to the ceiling.
0: Yeah. I was like, I hope everyone's having a good time because I cannot tell. <laughs> I hope it all works out for you people. Did, did was it recorded? I assume it was no. recorded. No, oh, it was not. Because that's a uh,
1: um, one of the things that I talked to Luke Burbank. Because I talked to uh, I Luke who hosts LiveR, the, sh- the the show that I used to do. Right. Um, one of the things. So that the I he take? About- oh, by
0: the way, HaMeister, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Courtney HaMeister at Weisenheimer
1: on yeah. Twitter and yes.
0: CourtneyHaMeister dot com. And okay, fine, whatever. Just yeah. uh, making sure everyone knows who the hell I'm talking to. Knows all my at shit. this time. Yes. yes. Please know her shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: But I was talking to Luke and he was talking about, um, how about how you have to sort of have a certain level of self delusion in order to be to do stand up comedy and yeah. and perform in this way. And that there are comics who have ears that actually that hear laughs that aren't there. And then there are comics who can't hear the laughs that are there. Mm-hmm. And he talked about just this this set that he did where he just thought he killed and then he listened to the recording of it and no one was laughing.
0: <laughs> and he was just like, Where are all the how? laughs? awesome is it that it was the opposite? Right? Because I would tell that story. I thought I did so bad that I listened to the tape. I was crushing it. Luke Burbank, a sane gentleman, uh, is like, oh, man, I was killing it. I listened to the tape crickets Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Sad. well and in the in the the same for the same uh thing i was writing a thing i also talked to ophira eisenberg who yeah. hosts, who i adore and her book where uh screw what's her everyone. book screw uh, everyone uh, it wasn't called Yeah, i think it was called screw everyone <laughs> now i'm getting it wrong but essentially it was about her sleeping with everyone in order to find this person <laughs> right, that she, right. and oh it was
0: fantastic oh that's right I, it wasn't called screw everyone but was now it? i wanted it it something it's something a book like screw everybody.
1: everybody i don't know it was something about that let's we'll goog it
0: later yeah we will. can talk about it she's um, been on the dork course we're, we're vocal doppelgangers oh you know what you do kind of sound that you do we, sound we the have same a bit of the same accent she's from toronto i'm from wisconsin uh yeah. yeah so yeah we do uh the episode i the first episode i ever did with her i don't know if there's more than one but uh, the episode i did with her i was editing it and i was like i can't tell the difference between our voices very weird and you're uh, oh that's got to be crazy it was super yeah. fun
1: but anyway, she she told this story of the first time that she ever did stand up, she got one laugh and she was elated. And yes. I was just like, I don't understand. Mm. And she was like, I didn't know that person and they laughed and that was this <laughs> huge thing for me. And that to me, like you talked about, you know, being an optimist and and I hear people say that and I'm so envious like I just to, to be for her to be able to take something that mo- I think most people would experience that and just be like oh my god that was the worst thing that ever happened to me and to be able to take something and and actually find the the great thing in it yeah is just an amazing skill it
0: is interesting I uh, people who say I want to do stand-up comedy and I say then try it for you will know Almost immediately, if you really want to do stand-up comedy, because you don't get laughs. And if you get one laugh, you're like, okay, all right. And uh, that that seemed to work. And you're like, hmm. Uh, empirically, if you look at that objectively, it did not work. <laughs> but <laughs> from inside a stand-up comic's brain and body, you're like, no, no, a stranger just laughed at one joke I wrote. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think, I mean because I, I, I have I have friends who are stand-up comics and I watch sort of the tra- like I um you know I saw um I saw Ian Carmel really early on in Portland oh and, right right and, um, that's right Portland. and Brie Pruitt in Portland and mm-hmm. um, and uh, and have watched a, the trajectory of a, a bunch of my friends who are stand-up comics and how much better they get at it over the course of you know sometimes just just a couple of years and and they they get so much better but i watch that early on stuff mm-hmm. and i see the reaction that they're getting and what they're sort of living through <laughs> it's amazing to me that they go through that right. to get to where they i don't understand how how you live
0: through that and continue to be an optimist even <laughs> you know right my ad my ad my ad i'm about to do an ad you guys it's another FabFitFun ad, but it's the great unboxing because I just got the fall box and it's a seasonal subscription box delivered four times a year with full-size fashion, beauty, home, fitness, and wellness products for just $49.99 a box. And if you use the code DORK, get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 for only $39.99. And here we are. I've opened my box. There is uh, some paper and it has a, a fall leaf sticker that is holding it, holding it tight. And then you open it up and there's a pile of stuff in this box. Let's go through a little bit of it because this ad is only supposed to be a minute and there's so much stuff in here. There's earbuds, you guys. What? There's freaking Bluetooth earbuds from Cobra. So that's kind of exciting. There's a couple of facial masks. There is a very beautiful tea towel, simply whimsical tea towel. And I have this to say, I'm going to do more of this box in the next ad for FabFitFun. But it's the full box. It's here, $39.99 for your first one because you get the $10 off with code dork. Who lives by a code? Rangers. Let's get back into the show. Right. It's clearly some sort of mental um, cocktail going on in your brain. Because there's – I just read this thing about um, – there was a uh, it was a it was an alcoholic dude right and he was talking about how there was a study of neuroses and they decided that that a lot of people have neuroses yeah <laughs> and it, what neuroses is is there's a perception of of the world that is skewed and to fix that there's there's different ways of fixing it and and if you can't fix it um it can go from neuroses to psychoses. Oh. And um, so ways to fix it are often like with mind-altering. Like initially people try booze mm-hmm. and pot and stuff like that when they're kids and stuff. They're like, oh, I think – because everyone has this sense that I'm super unique. My problems are very much the – I'm the only one going through this – and and life is very, very hard. And um, so um, that perception isn't necessarily true because you're never alone. You are not unique. I would love to tell you that if you had my problems, you would drink like I did or whatever the thing is, right? Except for that everyone does have my problems. They're the same fucking problems everyone has. Yeah. Oh, you mean you have to go to work and then you have to pay bills and then you have to talk to people that you don't want to talk to and then you have to be nice to people you don't necessarily want and someone's mean to you yeah those are yeah that's walking around you're doing it you're doing it anyway so being a human job that's the, (laughs) the human experience so he said that there are people with neuroses who start drinking and those people if they uh he's this is his theory right so he does I think the guy's a salesman. I don't think he's an, a doctor or a scientist. He said, alcoholics drink and it changes their perception of the world, of how they are perceived.
1: Hmm. Once
0: I start drinking, I am bigger and the world is smaller and the world is my oyster and I don't give a shit about Jack. And so that changes my perception of how people perceive me and my abilities and everything. And it's great. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to address these human things, how to interact with people, how to, how, how to take someone being mean to me.
1: Right. Cause you're not perceiving them like taking you wrong or exactly. whatever. Cause you're
0: drunk. Cause you're drunk. And he said, there are people who are neurotic, um, who are not alcoholic. And who try to drink to change their perception, but it doesn't work with their chemistry like that. Hmm. They just get drunk and they see just as clearly and think just as clearly that the world is against them. Yeah. And that their lives are super hard. Oh, that's terrible. And that can lead to psychosis. Mm-hmm. And this is speculation from a guy who probably sells carpeting. <laughs> so, uh, but I love the theory that, because he said the way he he so he stopped drinking uh so he has so he's like so I'm neurotic but I'm an alcoholic so I uh changed my perception it was great From when I was seventeen till when I was forty, I -hmm. drank all the time. Didn't have a problem with society, except for that I would get drunk and drive, and and then occasionally and and be a disaster to my family. And but I didn't (laughs) notice that I was being a disaster to anybody because I was drunk. Mm -hmm. And but and I was fine with being a disaster. So I stopped drinking. Then I have to address that neurosis, and I've never learned to deal with what people have to deal with. Which is the human experience, going to work, having your feelings hurt, trying not to hurt other people's feelings. And he said, and the way that he did that was by therapy Mm -hmm. and Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I mean, all the things, probably sleepy time tea, exercise, yoga, mindfulness, whatever. He threw things at the wall like a monkey Mm -hmm. until it stuck. And he said, it was, I had to relearn. Everything I stopped learning when the booze started working. And so if you, if the booze doesn't work, how do you deal with it? Well, I
1: mean, I think that it's, I think that honestly, the idea of throwing stuff, throwing everything at the wall until it sticks, that's what you, that's what you have to do. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I tried drugs. I couldn't find, I couldn't, well, I mean, no, I tried like actual, I'm, I'm terrible oh, at drugs. drugs? Yeah. Well, I, well, um,
0: yeah. yeah. Recreational drugs. Did you try recreational drugs? I didn't drugs try and those to
1: deal with, uh, I didn't try those to deal with anxiety. I did, I tried weed. Because um,
0: you're, you're a person.
1: Because I'm a person <laughs> and I tried smoking. I actually went to the hospital the first time I smoked weed uh thank thank you i am i'm the I'm world's so biggest sorry. lightweight i'll accept my award um <laughs> I, it was so pathetic and the, and the doctor hated me so much and i like i was in it's high school cool. and yeah. i just felt like I, I was like why do people do this why do people smoke weed it's awful like i wanted to make it clear to him that i wasn't a weed addict <laughs> <laughs> like that's why i wasn't
0: in the hospital you smoke pot Yeah, What happened? Please tell me the story of when you smoked pot and you were like, I have to go to the hospital. (laughs) Hi. Well, no, I I
1: just... I I think that it was where I, I had my first panic attack okay because i yeah i i think i i smoked a half of a i smoked a half of a reefer with a friend of mine <laughs> and uh and i yeah i just started getting i started dissociating i started like my, my, my extremities started getting tingly and i was walking around my house saying to myself like what if this never goes away what if i'm trapped like this oh, for right, the right. rest of my life Some
0: people get paranoid when they smoke pot exactly and Which is i something you couldn't possibly have enjoyed
1: <laughs> oh my god it was <laughs> was so miserable and i just yeah i think but i think looking back i was like oh that was my first panic attack right uh, you know and so you
0: went to the hospital and you were like um, oh my god
1: it was so awful like my friend i was with my friend laura and she called my friend mary and mary's mom came to get us and we all drove to the hospital and um yeah it was just Were you like 14 i think i was like 17 maybe
0: okay yeah, yeah. so
1: it was just it was dumb and and um but but here's the the effed up thing i am so happy that weed is legal and and i know a lot of people who actually use it to self medicate but the only thing that i think is shitty about s- it yes. is that there needs to be a warning on it because because we all know what alcohol does to everybody mm-hmm. but weed a lot of people have different reactions to weed. And for people who have a, a mental illness, it can really screw you up because all of the things, so many of the things that weed does to your body, anxiety, that's the beginning of an anxiety attack. Right. You start to dissociate, you get tingly, uh-huh. holy shit, I'm having an anxiety attack. Uh-huh. And, and that actually having the physical symptoms gives you an anxiety attack. Right. Because you convince your brain that it's going to happen. Right, right. So I just wish that there was some sort of warning
0: on it. Well, you know, the thing is, is everyone does have different responses to alcohol as well. Yeah, I guess that's true. And there is warnings on it. Yeah. (laughs) There's all kinds of warnings. Yeah. And with pot, a couple of things. First of all, my response to pot is uh, very different as well. You have seven to nine minutes to talk to me and then I fall asleep. And then I wake up under a pile of coats. So I am what is, uh I believe the technical term is buzzkill. Uh, I am not fun on the marijuana. Right. So I don't, I never smoked it much either. Cause I was like, whatever, man, this mm-hmm. seems like a not point, no point for this. Mm-hmm. Now the problem with the, and I too, I don't care about the legalization of, I mean, people want to do drugs. They're going to find drugs. So if you want to pay for uh, a bunch of road things to be fixed, education, please tax the shit out of pot. Yeah, And that's fine. But you're right. There needs to be, and there has, I mean, the best minds of our generation have been working on different strains of pot because here in Los Angeles, I don't know if you know this, a lot of comics do jokes about it. My favorite was Aaron Foley talking about how um, in when she lived in New York, someone would say, do you want to get high? And she'd go, Yeah or no. Uh mm-hmm. here uh if you ask somebody do you want to get high they're like what kind of pot is it? I can't get the munchies. I can't get paranoid. Is it a, I just want kind of a mellow kind of, you know, mind-opening kind of pot. Is it mm-hmm. the blue and the, and she's oh, like god I withdraw my uh you I don't want to get high with you. And <laughs> I withdraw my offer. But I think that it's kind of neat that there are different kinds of pot. Because then you can address some someone can recreationally get high if they want to get high, yeah uh, and not get paranoid and kill themselves because they're super sad. Mm-hmm. yeah, feel free to define this stuff, plus a lot of edibles, like i this is I know everything I know about pot, I know from people's acts, mm-hmm. like I guess there's there's cookies and candy, yep, and they're like, they sell you a half a dozen cookies and you're stoned. So you eat all the cookies, and the cookies have so much THC pot or whatever in them that you're sick. You're oh. genuinely – your mind too much. Yeah, it's way too much, and
1: that's what's scary about edibles too is because they take a while to, to to kick in, so you keep eating.
0: Because <laughs> <and, laughs> oh. people eat, it turns out, all the food that's on their plate, their <laughs> exactly. clean plate club, and you're dum dumbs. So don't – don't be a member
1: of the Marijuana Clean Plate Club. That's the, the worst idea
0: in the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a terrible idea, <laughs> the Marijuana Clean Plate Club. It's really, it's not a club that you want to be a member no. of. No. So yeah. talk to me about what are the different chapters in OK, Fine, Whatever by Courtney Homeister. Uh, so I, yeah. So I, I spent a year doing things that scared
1: me and writing about them and realizing I didn't die. And so, oh. uh, I did, I did things like, but because I'm anxious, I didn't, yeah. you know, jump out of airplanes or bungee off of anything. No, no. I, um, I went to a sensory deprivation tank and I went to a professional cuddler and I, uh, took a fellatio class and I, and there was a ton of dating stuff in it. Um, right. I dated polyamorous married dudes, uh, cause that was sort of, uh, I was also on a tack where I, I went on, uh, wait a minute, Did you dates. send me
0: this book? I did. It's in my bathroom. (laughs) I read part of it. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it's it's all coming back
1: to you. (laughs) It's all coming back to you. And the, did you read about the, uh, build your own burrito night at the sex club? Uh, no. Okay. I did not. Anyway. What not, I did was skip to that chapter.
0: You went, I was, for some reason, cause what I did was, uh, it's in the bathroom, which is where Meryl Marco's Cool, Calm, and Contentious is. Oh my God. I loved that book. That book was have amazing. You read it? Yes. yes, I have. And, uh, and I've, and I've read much of yours and I've read much of hers. I've also read Employee of the Month by Mary Jo Peel. You have not uh, read that. Mary Jo one. Peel spent a year doing something like this where Every guy that asked her out, she went out with him, unless oh. he was homeless. Okay, she <laughs> that went was out her with line. That was, and I don't even know if that was the line, but uh, she went out with at least four cab drivers. Wow, because you know how whenever you get into a cab, it's always some dude who's <laughs> like, "So you married?" and you are like, "Yeah." Yeah, I can't talk to you. Even when I wasn't, <laughs> yeah. Please just I was don't speak because like, you're going to ask me out. Yeah, and it's always that. And she went out with him, and it's employee of the month is hilarious and oh, super. Oh, it. Yeah, and um, but your book. So I'm reading. <laughs> I've got one chapter, and there's the thing about the polyamorous. Mm-hmm. And you went out with this guy, and you're like, so, and and the guy had bought the book. She comes first. Yes which I then bought oh. because I'm trying to write a sexy chapter of a romance novel for Audible mm-hmm. and I am failing. <laughs> so I would like sort of, you, you know, like I know about cock stands and dripping clefts. I can, those are, that's in romance novels. That's what uh, a dripping lot of clefts. That's yeah, yeah, the dripping underside cleft. of the penis. Nope. That's, oh. a, that's, that, that's what the, uh, the vagina uh, labia majora minora uh, lady part that, oh. that, thats what your box oh, is called. It can—it can also it, it, cleft. It's, sometimes Ugh. it's a dripping cleft, uh, but which is just as as painful as calling it like his little soldier or some fucking you know right. analogy. But that sounds just particularly unsexy. Don't you? Oh think? no, no, no. There's worse unsexy boy to, boy part talk. Um. So no, they're they're it's all very uncomfortable. Yeah. But I'll tell you this about romance novels. I read them. I, uh, like the sex scenes. Mm-hmm. I'm on board. Uh, <laughs> and, and I need to write the damn sex scene in the romance novel and I'm having a bit of a chore with it. So I bought She Comes First because some guy in this book, you, that's right. So first of all, let's, I'm so sorry to have waited off about my own issues with your book, <laughs> which everyone should thou buy because, okay, fine, whatever, because you, I missed the part where you go to a, a, which I have been calling a self-degradation tank, (laughs) a sensory deprivation tank, right? Which Rory Scovel swears by. Really? Yes. What you essentially you're in saline. Yes. (laughs) You're lying there for Mm -hmm. what? Forty minutes? An hour? Uh,
1: Ninety minutes. Ninety.
0: Ninety minutes is the one in Portland. Yeah. How was it? It sounds terrifying. <laughs>
1: um, I'm a claus- I am claustrophobic and afraid of the dark. Um, I'll just admit those two things. So, uh, I, I, I was trepidatious about it. Yeah. Um, so, but you can actually get different sizes of, of oh, the, okay. just of the tanks. Right. So if you're very claustrophobic, there's a pod that essentially looks like a, a big, um, George Foreman grill, Oh, uh, <laughs> 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 uh just sort of human sized George Foreman grill. Um, but then also there are ones that you can go in that that's sort of a room, like a seven foot by, you know, six foot room. That's a little pool that you get into.
0: Right. Um, I always think that I'm going to get, feel claustrophobic. Yeah. Like escape rooms. I was like, well, I don't want to be locked in a room for an hour and then have to do a puzzle to get out. So I've done two escape rooms. Mm -hmm. None of them are like that. It is so not, they're like, No, you can leave whatever you want. We we keep your twenty eight dollars. Is that all right? And you're like, oh yeah, I see. My
1: issue, I I just my issue with the escape room was that I just couldn't suspend my disbelief the whole time. I was just like, no, I mean it's not going to explode, and you know we're going to be fine. But I I'm not enjoying myself. My thing
0: with escape, I'm doing one tomorrow, is uh, that I'm bad at puzzles. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, (laughs) You too. I'm like, put me to work because I don't know what I'm doing. Tell me, do, do you want me to read the library? I'll read the library. Okay.
1: Yeah. But, so, uh, what I would say is, uh, they, they so, what's supposed to happen is that you're in this water that's um sort of uh, body temperature neutral okay. so that you can kind of not really feel the ends of your body and where the water begins oh, weird um, and so what it's supposed to do is when it shuts off all of your senses and there's really nothing kind of touching your body, it shuts down your lizard brain. so that's that prehistoric part of your brain that's always looking for what's trying to attack you oh, and so it it's supposed to make you feel super safe. Exactly, like, it's supposed to just shut down because there is no sensory input. There's nothing to trigger your lizard brain, supposedly. And what then is supposed, what then supposed to happen is that, um, your bot, your brain is then free to just do whatever and think about whatever. And a lot of people have creative epiphanies in there. Um, and I mean, I think, so, they've done those studies of um, they were trying to figure out how kind of jazz musicians and improvisational musicians were able to do what they did and so they put them inside MRI machines and what they saw is that they were actually able to shut down their prefrontal cortex that that critic, that brain critic, right? That's
0: why I don't like jazz solos. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> you like <laughs> the critic. Well, no, but I think that's I like that's, a written piece of music, I think is what I like. I have a hard time with some jazz.
1: Sounds. I'm not a big I'm not a big fan but of it, improvisational jazz either. But but anyway, so that's what is supposed amazing. to happen. Yes. Is okay. that really you're just supposed to come to this place where you're just your brain just allows you to kind of play and I didn't experience that, but I think that it's because I was, I'm coming from, let's just say, you know, in, in, in terms of anxiety or stress level, I'm walking in at a five, whereas most people might walk in at a two. So it takes them a, a lot less time to go down to a zero.
0: You Did know? you end
1: up at a two? I think I absolutely did end up going, you know, uh, taking my stress level down. Um, it is really fascinating. Like you start to almost, um, uh, you start to almost see things that, that aren't there. There are these things called phosphenes. You know, when you close your eyes, sometimes you can see lights. Yeah. Those are actually called phosphenes. Okay. It's essentially like your, your eye just sort of doesn't stop. Working, yeah, um, and um, but you can you can start to sort of see those things move around and okay. And, um, so
0: was it soothing? Or I think was that it... ultimately it was. I mean, for me going into, but it I mean, wasn't life changing. It was just scary for you to do. So you did it.
1: Right, exactly. And I would I would actually recommend it to people who maybe don't have any issues with, you know, claustrophobia or anything like that because I think that it is possible to that you might have, you know, a, an epiphany or a creative like I was I was stuck creatively, you know. I mean, i had been writing sketches for 12 years. And Hello? then my
0: phone rang. Hi. The good news is is um Andy Ashcraft is in the other room and he'll get that. I usually turn the phone off and uh <laughs> Uh, rangers of the dork forest right now are going, when, when do you do that? <laughs> I don't, I don't remember you doing that ever, but the, there's times when it, you don't hear it. It's because I've remembered to turn the phone on. Anyway. anyway. Yeah. So that's what that, what yeah, about the what professional was like. cuddler? Was that a spoon or be spoon situation?
1: You can do whatever. She has 56 different positions. And it's a woman? It's a woman. Her name's Samantha Hess. She okay. owns a business called Cuddle Up to Me in Portland. Um, I
0: mean, yeah. this is a very Portlandia kind of, uh. Things that you're like, I wanna, I want someone to, I don't know, pep talk. Uh, what you know? There's jobs that you can make up, and uh, one of them is professional cuddler. But uh, so, were you cuddled? I was. How much is cuddling? Uh, it's a dollar a minute. All right. So you might. You're like I. I I'm not going to be able to stand this. So here's five bucks. Let's get this over with kind of thing. Well, and they have this map that they give you
1: where you mark off the places on your body where you're okay, where you're okay being touched. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, can I, I just want to color in the whole thing. What would happen if I colored in the whole thing? Um, I actually, I kind of really love being touched and, and need to be touched. Yeah. But I spent the majority of my life um single Mm -hmm. and and not in relationships and not being touched which is awful uh for someone who needs it right um so it was actually a pretty vulnerable thing for me to do um because what sucked is of course this sea of uh massive waves of snark came toward her on the internet right um that uh and i read all of those comments and and i the problem is i related to the people who went to her yeah as opposed to the people who were snarky about it because right. i know how uh, how awful
0: it is uh, you just start to feel like shit about yourself right you don't know? read the comments that's the number one oh, i one, one of the great rules of being in show business and the internet together is i have a no problem and i've said this a thousand times and i will say it again Just block them. If they get some sort of sense of satisfaction that they made you, made you block them, Mm -hmm. then we're both happy. Exactly. Yeah. It's a win win right there. (laughs) I don't have to listen to your dumb dumb talking and I, and you think that you somehow got me. Yeah. So. Knock yourself out.
1: No, I think that's yeah the block feature. The I I actually I think the mute (laughs) feature is even better because they just think that they're they they just think oh she's she's never gonna
0: respond to this one. But that's but that that's a power play in that I would have in my mind where I'm like I'm showing them they think they're talking to me and I'm like no. Get something good out of it. Yeah, feel the joy of making me block you, of pressing um, the block button. The head, the N R, the mouth of Sauron, woman who was that N R A lady. Oh God, she blocked me. Oh, good for you. And I was like, okay. I mean, and I didn't feel good about it, though. There actually, there was a small part of me that was like, oh, all right. She acknowledged the fact that I was. Uh, it's all I did was I told her that if she was uh, ever gonna, she was interested in. uh, Having any more integrity, she should get in touch with me. And, uh, and that seems that's 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 a nice thing to say. You were I offering her been, a favor, right? And it it could have been much ruder, and it was not. And yeah. then she quit that job not long after, which is my real sense of accomplishment. Because Dana like, Loesch, yeah, I was like, oh, I wonder <laughs> if I had any part of that. And then I realized. Mm, probably not. <laughs>
1: it's probably my comment that did it
0: no i she's off looking for integrity, maybe um,
1: my favorite internet comic so i i'm a I'm a larger lady. I'm fine saying that and um uh,
0: how about you're not fucked up skinny because you are not a larger <laughs> lady? All right, I'm not I'm
1: I'm like a I'm like a 16 18. You know, that's You, you know, know what? A 16 think? is a, a Do
0: you think? Are you I sure? I think you're like a 12 14. You think you're No, a 16, I'm 18? no, I'm a I'm for okay. sure a 16. Yeah,
1: I'm a for sure a 16. Um and that's that's actually uh, I think average size now in the United States of America. We're well fed.
0: <laughs> exactly. You'll be happy to know that the free t-shirt you get is union made here in America, so they run big. I love they're it. They're made by Americans. I love it. And they know, and they know. So they're going to need it bigger. Yeah, Let's we're going to we're going to all want it bigger, yeah. so we're just going to make them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I wrote a um I wrote a staged parody. I co-wrote a staged parody of Roadhouse, the Patrick Swayze film called Roadhouse the Play. There was was a (laughs) musical also. And with my friend Shelly. And it did really well in Portland. And we got great reviews. I don't remember any of the great reviews, but I do remember one comment on one of the great reviews where the person said, it'll be great to finally see Courtney Hommeister being funny in something. Is she playing the road or the house?
0: (laughs) allow me to uh, find that person and bury them headfirst in the sand and exactly. paint their feet with honey. Yeah. I just, it was, did you respond to that by saying, Hey, it's my way or the highway. Did you try that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Being. Oh yeah. That's or if, the line. Well, from no, the, from the movie,
1: it's be nice until it's time to not be nice. <laughs> and now it's time for me to not be nice to you. Cause you're an, asshole you've been a jackass
0: exactly. so exactly once you take it on the arches there buddy <laughs> you know, all of the door hit you in the ash exactly all of those on the things way would out have, would all have those worked. yeah anyway. i chose to say nothing i tend to hide and, and like it <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah well so okay so then you dated a bunch of polyamorous people i did and how and, and what else Latin, i read that part but i don't necessarily want to know more about it because i always think to myself I mean, do whatever you want, but some of those people had kids, and it was all yeah. very super weird and I'm that's like, why yeah that's, I, what, that's why you called it,
1: yeah <laughs> i kinda i kinda that was that was the one thing that I did in writing this book that I regretted was that i i went on I went on a date with a guy a polyamorous guy who had kids and and we had a date at his house, which they he and his wife did all the time, apparently while his kids were sleeping and i that just didn't i right, was cuz in didn't the book, I think
0: you were like. I remember when I was a kid and they thought I couldn't hear anything. Yep. But you hear mumbling and you, ha, 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 and you're like, "Ugh, gross. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You're like, I don't want to be the recipient or the, I mean, the perpetrator of such a, a, a memory in anybody's life.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, again, like I, if people want to be polyamorous, I just, you know, live your life for you, do what you want to do. And polyamory for me, like, you know, it, it wouldn't have worked for me in the long term just because I am not a person. Who can not be jealous, or you know, I, you know, I just thought if I were his wife, you know, we picked out this cute couch at the antique store, and now this other woman's ass is on it. Like
0: that yeah. doesn't sit well with me, um, so to yeah, speak. I, but um, yeah, I, right. I, I, I was I, alone I, for so long that when um, I met Andy, and I was like, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of seeing. I mean, because when I said we gotta. We don't have to hire the caterers. We don't have to get married and live happily ever, whatever. We just have to be monogamous. Like, I just boyfriend, girlfriend, one on one. Just, and if you don't want to, that's fine as well. But I just, uh, I don't want to have sex until I'm in a monogamous committed relationship and we don't have to get married or anything. Mm-hmm. But, and he was like, oh, yeah. Oh, totally. That sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, Except for that, of course, he didn't say, so do you want to be my girlfriend? He said, oh, yeah, I, I agree. And then we spent another three weeks furiously making out until I said, so did you want to be my boyfriend? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, allow me to get a condo. And, uh, and then we had uh, the time of our lives. Ugh, uh, yeah, with my dripping cleft and his giant <laughs> cock stand, or whatever the fuck I'm supposed to write. That's anyway.
1: the hardest question to ask, though. Ugh. it was like, super I don't hard to ask
0: ask that question
1: because, but, but you just got fed up, I'm sure. Like, well, I how wasn't long is fed gonna up, gonna but last? I was just
0: like, I can't. I don't know. First of all, I I I don't like confrontation, which no one who knows me would go. What? <laughs> Huh, you seem to thrive on it no it I don't thrive on it, but i don't I also don't enjoy a lack of transparency or a lack of clarity, so those two things war, and so I am willing to sort of grip my teeth and ask a question or make a statement, and I'm like, "Please don't hit me <laughs>
1: yeah." yeah uh, well but I'm going please to- don't say no when well, i say do you want to be my boyfriend
0: right like because that's just gonna suck it has sucked because <clears throat> yeah. i've asked it before and uh and at least two other gentlemen that i could think of and i'm sure many others while i was hammered uh were like nope uh, uh not oh. it but it, and it's fine so what what did you what else what did you come out of with this book
1: Well, I mean, I think, uh, so yeah, it was a combination of, um, all of these, all of these, uh, experiments sort of the, where I was trying to illuminate things and trying to essentially kind of teach, teach my anxious brain, uh, that everything was going to be okay. Um, which ultimately I I think that, I think that in the same way that like sitting and watching Netflix every night can become a habit, I think like having adventures is also a habit forming and. The more you do, the more you're able to do it. And especially if you're a person who's like, "Oh, this is going to suck," and I don't want to do it. When you do things, you realize it was way better to do that than not do it. Right? And my life and I am much more enriched. And you know it's just very hard to get to that place especially if if you if your brain is telling you that everything is going to suck um i think that i was hoping that i would uh possibly turn into an, an optimist which uh is an impossibility for me but i think that going into experiences in this sort of non-judgmental way where instead of for me you know it's kind of a spoiler about the whole book but <clears throat> um it just was one word that was different which was if someone were to ask me to do something that i would think uh, oh that sounds awful mm-hmm. uh, or terrible or terrifying it just changed to well that sounds interesting there you go because, and that's and and how and that's who does, a life changing and that's a
0: good spoiler for this book because i like a happy ending yes and uh which is just a, a nice realization sort of a an, even the smallest amount of healing, you know well, and that's that's I think what's super i believe like I think
1: that that I have been so screwed up by romantic comedies it's like a <laughs> genre that i've loved my whole life, and it's <laughs> it's virtually impossible to find a good one um but they Allow also me they're yes. oh yeah, um, but they lie to us i think I think almost all movies and and so many books just we believe that these changes happen immediately right and and you know and that people have these massive epiphanies all the time and where they're immediately different and it is so and i think that the reason it's so satisfying for us is that we know in our hearts that change is unbelievably frustratingly incremental yes it
0: takes for freaking ever for anything to change and i think that you know, religious experiences and romantic flashes and one enchanted evening is not realistic. And if you no. and, and if you are the kind of person who's like, well, you told me it was over and over and over and over again, and and you and you're not getting the fact that you're like, yes, but it's fiction, right? I mean, dragons. I'm sorry, are also not real, oh. and neither are unicorns, but. That doesn't mean that they aren't beautiful and fun and cool. It just means that, at, you, I mean, you could enjoy. I mean, whenever I watch an action movie, I'm like, oh well, I'm sorry, that is not, uh, you know, like when when you watch some guy getting beat up and then quipping, uh, yes. you know, like it's Indiana Jones is being tortured and he's just making quips, and uh, that's not real. And mm-hmm. so there's all these things where you're like, okay, remember, that's not real. Remember, that's not real. God, And when but people are like, you them- just
1: know, I just knew I met him and I just knew it's like, right. They're- who the fuck
0: just knows? Like, well, yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, they feel like th- those are, those are. I'm sure those things happen, like flashes of light with religious experiences. Yeah, uh, meeting someone and knowing that's the right person, and then sticking it out for 70 years—that's adorable. But those are not the odds, but they are aspirational. Yes. So, I mean, to aspire to, like Kate and Leopold. I don't know. remember Kate and Leopold. Mm-hmm. Ah, and uh, <laughs> but and I and I like a movie where there's like a, a another message where. Like Leopold's whole thing, cause he was an old timey guy was, uh, he's like, well, you also have to be polite. And you're like, well, that guy exists in 2012 as well, by the way. Um, that isn't just 1889. Yeah. Good to know. And, um, and so it's a message that, that is, I, I think that there's also aspiring.
1: No, I, I, yeah. And that's, an, you know what that is? It's an optimistic way to look at what I was looking at as shit. (laughs) So I feel like this is a kind of a she said, she said situation. And, and you've, and I, I I think it's great. It's great to have, you know, that sort of counterpoint. You're right. Like it is like, it's good to, I think, to aspire to all those things. And you want to, of course, aspire to that ultimate epiphany. But I I just think you just need to know this epiphany is, it's going to take you like, you know, maybe 15
0: years to get to. This has been an experience where I've said the things that you should hear, and you're like, No, no, I know I should hear that. Good for you for saying it. And uh, I have this to say, Courtney Hommaster. uh, Thank you uh, for being on the Dork Forest because it has been an hour. Oh, that's, 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 it did. It just, it it just, it just, just, and you want to follow Courtney on Twitter at Weisenheimer. And the book is okay, fine, whatever. And uh, it is actually quite hilarious and fascinating. So uh, I have read, as we have found out, parts of it (laughs) in the bathroom, (laughs) which is where all great books uh, need to be consumed when it's certainly a memoir. Yes. And uh, thank you so much for uh, listening to the show, Rangers. And you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around. My hat, (laughs) my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that?